Game week 11 of Fantasy Premier League is in the books and that means we are about to hit the annual December congestion in the fixture calendar. Welcome to the Fantasy Faithful, an FBL podcast brought to you by thefootballfaithful.com. I am your host, Steve McGovern, and I'm joined by features writer and wildcard regretter, Harry Diamond. Harry, how's it going? I'm all right, mate. Thanks. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad. How was your, your game week? I saw you got uh, 64 points. Not too bad. It was okay. More red arrows, I'm afraid, in the uh, yeah. Fantasy Faithful. I, um, I got some red arrows. As, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got some red arrows as well, despite getting 67 points. It was one of those weeks where it was a good week for, for everyone nearly. So you needed to have like a super week in order to make any gains, really. But look, I'm sure we'll get into all of that, as well as our weekly picks, including differentials, captaincy, transfers, and lock of the week for game week 12. But first up, it's time for some regretsies. Who's Captain Hindsight? Captain Hindsight! The hero of the modern age. Harry, you know I love to moan about captaincy. This week I actually nailed it with Kevin De Bruyne, and yet I still had a red arrow, as I as I mentioned there, despite getting over the average score, which was 62 points. Uh, so that was really frustrating. I had a great start to the week, and then just every, every one of the premium players just seemed to be getting a goal and assist, and that just killed me, really. And, and unfortunately, I didn't make as big a gains as I wanted to. I went down in not just the overall rank, but our own fantasy uh, league as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, even though I did well, I don't really have a regret. And if I did have one, I suppose it's selling Callum Wilson for Shea Adams and not Patrick Bamford. I only did it to get De Bruyne and that worked out. But now I'm looking at Leeds fixtures and the amount of chances they create. and I'm slightly regretting it, especially now that Danny Ings is back. So Shea Adams won't be the main man. But look, I suppose these are champagne problems. Uh, what about you? Are you still uh, kind of in turmoil over your wild card, or have you have you moved on from that? Have you got new regrets? Yeah, I think I've got new regrets now. I've still still got some lingering from the wild card, but going forward, I need to, need to move on and pass that. Uh, captaincy cost me this week. I was looking back through through my game weeks, and there's only a couple of times that I've not gone for either Harry Kane or Mo Salah as captain, and unfortunately, this week was one of them. So yeah. I went for I went for Timo Werner, who I thought. Would make it would be an open game against Leeds and it might suit him. And um, he did get an assist in the end, didn't he? Late on, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful that I only caught bits of the game because looking at the chances that he missed, I would have been pulling my hair out watching it. Yeah, well, definitely Chelsea played like quite well, particularly in in the second half, and and looked really good. And I think Lampard has them motoring now, and and really like Timo Werner in that team. Like when they're doing well, he should be getting more goals and, and more returns, really. But, you know, he missed like three really good chances. And one of them was a golden chance. I think I put it in as a miss of the week in our weekly awards column because he's literally like less than a yard from goal. And I think uh, Melier, the Leeds United goalkeeper, he got like the slightest touch on it and then came back up off the crossbar or something like that. And it's like, you just have to be putting them away. Yeah, but, uh, yeah we'll, he has to score that. Oh, absolutely. But look, we'll get we'll get back to Timo Werner later. Don't don't you uh, worry about that. But I want to find out from you who passed the eye test, who looked really good over the weekend. I like the look of um, Eze from Crystal Palace. Not to get carried away with a uh, a big win at ten man West Brom, but I think he's really starting to step up for Palace and become a big player for them. He's, he's took a little while to get going, but they, they've been a much better team since he's come in and started started starting regularly. He was all action against West Brom, so he created four chances. Um, he won the most fouls on the pitch and he ended up with an assist. I think his presence in the team seems to take a bit of the pressure off Zaha and I think it's a relationship that could benefit both of them going forward. Yeah, that's actually a great show because I have to be honest, the player I have down here for passing the eye test was Wilfred Zaha himself who got two goals and an assist 
for the own goal from Darnell Furlong. I mean, he's he seems to be like the definition of a talisman right now for Palace. And when they signed Eze, I definitely thought, geez, that actually makes Palace an, an interesting option going forward in attack, which you don't usually say about them, particularly under Roy Hodgson. But I think you're absolutely spot on there. And I'm definitely looking at Wilfred Zaha and the price he's at. You're kind of thinking... God, he's a great option. He's now in the top the top five point scorers among midfielders with uh, 72 points, and he's the cheapest of all of them at 7.4. So you just know that when he's playing and when Palace score, he's more than likely going to be involved. I know West Brom had a man sent off, but like that was just such a good performance for him. And and to be honest with you, with Palace, you're not always sure if they're going to find the net or not. But with Zaha, like... They have, I think they, they have much better chance. And I know they play Spurs this week, so you're probably not going to consider them for this week. But, I mean, going forward, like what an option he is. And I think at his price, definitely thinking about him, I just don't know who the hell I would get rid of in order to get him in. But yeah, interestingly, we both went for Palace players because I think uh, there's, there was a lot of really good performances this week. So just to flip it for a moment, because like we said, it seems like everyone played really well. Who did you think played like poorly over the weekend? I think it has to be Aubameyang for me. Um, I know it's nothing new the way he's been playing in recent weeks, but I just thought he looked so disinterested in the derby. And Arsenal dominated the ball without doing much. And they would have likely been looking towards Aubameyang to, to break down Spurs or get in behind with his pace. But he just looks like a completely different player this year. He, w- he wasted a good chance with the header. It's hard to believe that this is the same player that only in the summer was firing him to the FA Cup with his it- performances. He just looks so out of sorts. He, it's hard to believe that they gave this man a 350,000 a week contract <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a couple of months ago. And ever since then, I think he hasn't scored a goal from open play ever since signing that contract, which is insane. And I thought last year, I remember saying it to my cousin who was an Arsenal fan. I said to him last year, I was like, I think they should just sell, get the money for him and find a replacement or just invest it back into the team because you could kind of see that while he was still scoring a lot of goals and he was playing like really well, his underlying numbers were decreasing steadily all the time and we're seeing <laughs> the fruits of that. He's just not at the same level whatsoever and this guy is in his 30s. He's not going to get any better and he's been eliminated as a fantasy asset because of his price. Like he's just, I, I'd say he's probably got the worst points per million rate. I'd have to look that up. But I bet you, like, there's probably no player who's as expensive who is such a waste of money as well. For me, in terms of who did not pass the eye test, or at least, you know, who in general, I've, I've just been turned off by, it's, it's Wolves. I know they're playing Liverpool. You know, they got smashed by a team who are going to smash a lot of teams this season. But there just doesn't seem to be goals in Wolves. Like Daniel Pedence, as I've said almost every week, because I have him in my team, he plays well. He gets into good positions. He gets, you know, a few shots a game. But... I just don't have the faith that the Wolves are going to be all that exciting up front. I mean, they never really are that exciting in general, but they have 11 goals in 11 games. That is the least of any team in the top 10. So I just think, just get, especially now that Raul Jimenez, Jimenez is uh, out for, I mean, who knows how long after his unfortunate fractured skull. But I think uh, they're one to avoid. I'm going to have to get rid of Podence sooner or later. So Wolves, for me in general, didn't, do not pass the eye test. None of this nerd right. nonsense so, about expected goals. I've got a staff for you here, Harry, that you're not going to like. You're not going to like this no. one, right? This is via the XG Philosophy on Twitter. Timo Werner has missed six chances worth 0.40 XG this season. So that means he's missed six chances that, were, that had about a 40% chance of going in. 
So it's <laughs> it's bad enough that he didn't join Liverpool this year, but now he's hurting you through FPL as well, Harry. Yeah, it's a bit of a double blow, isn't it? Really, he's he's just a, he's such a frustrating asset to have. I've I've had him from the start because I'm a big fan of him, and and when you watch Chelsea play, he looks really dangerous, and and when he explodes with his pace, you think. Right, he's in it. He's he's making things happen, and it's. I feel like the moment I take him out of my team, all these chances will start going in for him yeah. because he's getting yeah. in the, he's getting in the positions over and over again. Yeah, I know. When I got rid of him, my wild card was a game week three or game week four. I got rid of him, and then I think he hauled like was it a couple of weeks later. He got he got a few goals, but I was kind of like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this with Timo Werner. Like I just need someone more dependable. I need somebody who I'm going to count on because there's too much money wrapped up in him to hope that he's going to find his shooting boots. And uh, he will find goals. He will get returns. He did at least get an assist. And, you know, he's getting in too many good positions to not eventually score. So at some point, he's going to come good. When that is, I do not know. But, it, you know, this, this is a thing at Leipzig as well where he will get plenty of big chances and he'll miss plenty of them. But he will get you a lot of goals as well. You know, he got 29 last season. Eventually, he will become a good asset. But at the minute, I wouldn't have him over Vardy or Kane, I don't think. So that's my take on Werner anyway. Do you have a, a stat for me that's going to blow my mind? I do, yeah. I'm sure no one's doubting the logic of having the Son-Kane double up. But just to look at the numbers behind their partnership so far this season, they've now combined for 11 goals already, with only two partnerships having ever combined for more in the same season in the whole of Premier League history. Do you know uh, who they are? I, I do, because I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> that is, uh, Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson, who got 12 in 18-19, and then Alan Shearer and Chris Sutton, who got 13 in 95-96. I only know that because I did the stats column this week, and yeah, I came across that on, on Opta. I mean, it is amazing. Like 11 combinations, and the record is 13 in an entire season. They've, they've, they're nearly at that after 11 games. Like, that's insane. And just to add to that, Kane has now assisted Son on eight occasions this season which is just one short of the record for the two teammates who've directly assisted the other one the most times in the season. Is, it, is that Lampard Drogba? No, so for a single season, sorry. So Kane's eight to Son is now one behind Stan Collymore to Robbie Fowler and oh, wow. Mike Newell to Alan Shearer, both in 95-96. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Well, you really have hit me with a stat that blew my mind there. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Again, like it's just so... It's, it's so mad. It's so unprecedented for two players to be doing this. So again, I wonder with Spurs, when's it going to end? When is Son and Kane going to stop feeding each other? Because I know that Son has been converting 63% of his chances. He has, his 10 goals have come from just 16 shots. Like that is inhuman. Like it's, it's just absolutely incredible. And you think Kane's uh, conversion rate is somewhere at about 25%, I think, which is very good. But like, just to think that he is so far behind Son in that regard is, is mad. And you got to be thinking, like, surely sometime it's going to slow down. He can't be scoring every single shot that he gets. I mean, Son, I think he has a shot accuracy of 81%. Like, nobody keeps that up. You know what I mean? He's, he's scoring 0.99 goals per 90 minutes. So I sold Son at the weekend in order to get De Bruyne. It, it worked out to an extent but now I'm like worried <laughs> about Son and uh, him because I said this previously on the pod. I think those two are fixture proof, Son and Kane. And I don't think you need to really worry about fixtures too much with them because they're just so lethal. But yeah, I mean, just a world class partnership, really. And it's crazy.
So we might as well move on to differentials then. Harry, who have you got that's going to set you apart this week from uh, the rest of the, the chasing pack? This is um, a little bit of a cheap enabler, but I'm going to offer up Pascal Gross, who started the season out of favour at Brighton, but has now returned in four of his five, four of his past five appearances and seems to have assumed their penalty duties. I think if you remember his first season in the Premier League a few years ago, he was really good on. He provided 15 goal involvements in 2017-18. Um, those numbers have dropped off a little bit, but he seems to be ticking over nicely. And he's 5.8 million, I think it was he checked. Ownership, 0.3. Brighton play Fulham and Sheffield United after visiting Leicester this weekend, so he could prove a good short-term differential. I mean, we've been burned by Brighton on this podcast before, haven't we? Because we like, how they, we like how they play. Some of their underlying numbers are good, and yet... They just don't seem to be able to find the goals. So, but I, I mean, I do like Pascal Gross as a player. Uh, for me, I've gone with Eric Dyer, who is yeah. only owned by three point three percent of managers, and he costs five million. You've probably noticed last few games, Spurs have been doing very well. They've kept four clean sheets in a row, so they haven't conceded any goals in the last four games. I mean, just a phenomenal run of form for them. They've won three of those four games. They obviously drew against Chelsea. So really defensively solid. And they've actually kept five clean sheets in their last six games. So at the minute, they were really, really rolling with that defensive solidity. And if we look at the, the fixtures up next, they've got Crystal Palace away. Then they've got Liverpool away, which is obviously going to be a tremendously difficult uh, midweek fixture for them. Then they've got Leicester at home and then Wolves away. So... It's not as if the fixtures are like solid and they're, they're good going forward. But at the minute, that defense is, is really coming into its own. And I think they're, they're really hitting top form at the minute. So if you were looking for you know, a relatively cheap defensive option, I think Eric Dyer is definitely on the cards there. Now on to transfers. I've, <laughs> I've already broken the golden rule, Harry, which is uh, I made my transfer on Sunday night. So before the, ga- yeah, before the game week was even over, because actually it might have been Saturday night. It was Saturday night I made my transfer because this player hadn't even played yet. And in fact, barely played at the weekend. So I don't know if I'm going to regret this or not. But I sold James Rodriguez and I brought in Diogo Jota. I wanted to get in Jota ahead of the Fulham fixture. But then Jota was benched (laughs) against Wolves. And then Salah, Salah had a great game. And now everybody is getting on Salah ahead of the Fulham fixture. So now I'm wondering, have I made a mistake? And uh, should I have just gone all out, maybe gone all out for Salah? But I've gotten in Diogo Jota. I'm hoping to God now he starts against Fulham because I, I backed De Bruyne against my own team and maybe Jota will do the same. He'll punish Fulham as well. But I don't know. I'm a bit worried now. Can you reassure me at all? Am I, have I made a massive mistake? I think we'll have a better idea tomorrow when we see what team Liverpool put out in the Champions League. They've obviously already booked their place in the knockout stages as group winners. So... If he starts tomorrow, I'd probably be a little bit more worried than if he doesn't. But yeah, we'll see. See what team clock goes for tomorrow. So the the handy thing about it is that it's a meaningless fixture for Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah, they're already yeah, through. Meaningless fixture for both teams. So and even if he does start, I think there's going to be rotation anyway. And I think maybe he's giving Jota the rest before it starts getting hectic. Because like I said, we're going to have two game weeks a week for the rest of the month now going forward. So. I'm kind of happier that he got the rest in before he's part of my team rather than after. Because obviously if I had Jota for this week, I would have been would have went mad. What about you? Do you know what move you're making yet? Uh, I don't as yet. I'm a little bit torn. I'm desperate to get Son back in. I've been regretting taking him out 
with my wild card. Uh, I took him out with Spurs tough run of fixtures, but the way he's playing and at his price tag, I think he's fixture proof and a season keeper. That's the main thing that you mentioned there is the price tag because he's he's playing like one of the top top players in the league, but he's he's so much cheaper. Like nine point five is really nothing for a player of his quality. And it's making me wonder now if I've got De Bruyne and Fernandez, they're they're my two premiums, and now I'm kind of wondering, do I need to get rid of one of them? So if you were going to bring Son in, who are you going to get rid of? Well, this this is an issue. I've got Hakim Ziyech, who's obviously injured now, so I'd have to take a hit to swap him out. Mm-hmm. Which I've not taken a hit this season so far, which is which is quite good going. So I'd probably downgrade Che Adams and swap Ziyech out for Son, which Adams has a good fixture this weekend so I'm not too keen to do I'd also like to move out Max Kilman, who I don't think he's going to get many minutes if Wolves continue playing a back four his price range makes it difficult to get in a player who plays regularly I've looked at Jamal Lewis as an option given Newcastle's fixtures coming up but obviously with their COVID situation it's wait to hear more news for that I think yeah it's interesting I mean I would say Hakim Ziyech is probably the best option there to get rid of I mean what's what's the story with him out for a few weeks isn't he yeah, his hamstring, so he's, he's going to miss a few games at least. Yeah, and even then, he hadn't returned in a few games anyway. So I, th- I think obviously you want to get rid of him. I mean, taking, look, I've taken a few hits already this season, so it's all right. Do, do you think maybe, see, I always find when there's two game weeks, it's actually easier to kind of space out your transfers. You don't have, you know, you don't have to take hits. So maybe, you, do you think you could work towards that? Maybe if you could make a transfer this week, the game week then is just around the corner. Yeah, next yeah Tuesday, possibly. So. So you could probably make it work in two. I suppose then if you if you get Sun in, then you got you're getting Sun in for Liverpool. So that's not really the idea. Yeah, that that's that's my issue. And I also think if I do the hit this week, I might only end up with ten players playing, which isn't ideal because I think I drop Adams to Brewster and bring in Son for Ziyech. Mm. Uh, but Brewster's been on the bench the last few games, hasn't he? Coming on, and Kilman hasn't been playing either as my substitutes. I've also got Nico Williams as a substitute who played last week, but. Trent came on, didn't he? So I'm not sure he's going to get much game. So I'm a little bit torn. I could drop Hakim Ziyech for, for someone cheaper, maybe a Wilfred Zaha or someone like that, but I do want to get some back in. I've been regretting letting him go. Yeah, I mean, my my rationale for getting rid of Son was that, uh, well, I still got Harry Kane, so I'm covered. And it worked out fine because Harry Kane got a goal and assist as well. So I, I kind of feel like... I don't need two Spurs players. And if I was going to have one, I might feel slightly better with Kane because Kane has the penalties. And I, I kind of feel like he's probably more likely to get something out of a game if there's very few chances. But like I've said with, with Son, he's just been so clinical this season. We'll see if he if he can keep that up. I mean, he won't keep it up. He surely won't. Like at some point, he's going to slow down. And I think maybe with all the games coming up, maybe that'll be when it finally does happen where he he's just not as productive. But I don't know. I'm... I'm done second-guessing this Spurs team. I'm done doubting them. You know, either get on board or get the hell out, I think, is, is the yeah. case here. So, yeah, you, you're like me. You're covered for Kane, but I think having the double up is definitely worth it considering Sun's price, uh, as we've mentioned already. So we might as well move on to captaincy then. And we've already mentioned Mo Salah up against Fulham. Fulham, who have conceded more big chances in the last four weeks, than last four game weeks, than any other team, it seems like a really obvious one. And yet, I do not have Mo Salah. I feel like I should have been planning for this fixture, but I haven't because they, I, there's going to be a lot of people, I'd say, triple captaining in this game. 
whether that's a smart strategy or not remains to be seen. But I think Mo Salah against Fulham, he probably won't be playing midweek, so he'll be fresh. It could be a bloodbath. So I suppose my question is to you, if if you're like me, I mean, for look, for me, it's too late now. I've already made a move. Like, I'd have to get rid of De Bruyne, I suppose. Well, yeah, I suppose I could do that. Yeah, I could go De Bruyne to, to Salah, take a hit. I mean, do, do you think it's worth it at all costs to get Mo Salah for a captaincy job this week? I think, for me, Mo Salah's a season keeper. He's, he's a player that went fair. I'd, I'd want him in my team every week, never mind just mm-hmm. the Fulham game. Is it worth taking a hit? Potentially. I mean, he's got the potential to deliver big, hasn't he? I think you're right. I think there will be a lot of triple captains heading on Mo Salah this week. And is it worth it? I would say so, but it depends who, who your changes in the other transfer, I think. If, if you're dropping a decent player lower, then maybe not. But I think Mo Salah will do well this weekend. He's, he's 100% getting my, my captaincy. Yeah, I am still undecided. I've already changed it like three or four times. At the minute, I've got it on Kane, but I've already had it on De Bruyne, Bruno, and I've thought about a couple of others like Grealish and Calvert-Lewin. But the unfortunate thing is that the other fixtures don't look as great as Liverpool's do. So Man City played Man United. De Bruyne and Fernandez are coming up against each other. And I'm kind of wondering who is going to come out on top there. And I would suspect De Bruyne. And I think he'll, he'll probably have a good game. But I don't, I don't want to get rid of De Bruyne. You know, just because of this one fixture. Yeah. But then again, I am afraid <laughs> of what Mo Salah is going to do to Fulham. So it's, it's a real dilemma here. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the same boat wondering what to do. I think, look, if, you, if it's for a captaincy, I think going from De Bruyne to Salah probably makes sense or one of the other premium players. But if, if like me, Harry, say you didn't have Salah, who do you think is going to be the best alternative option this week? Will it be Bruno? Will it be Kev, Kane or somebody else? I would probably go Kane. I know Crystal Palace can be quite stubborn, but the numbers that Kane's produced this season, it's eight, what is it, 18 goal involvements in 11 games, he's as fixture-proof as it gets. And I think the Manchester derby is as fixture-proof as Bruno and De Bruyne tend to be. I think that's a difficult game to call. And you don't want to end up on the wrong side of it with your captaincy. What about Jota at Fulham? You brought him in, haven't you? Yeah, I actually have the vice captaincy on him. And I'm just afraid now because of the the benching at the weekend yeah, Look, yeah. He, I think he probably will start I think it'll probably be fine but I'm just cautious I'm just wary and I, yeah, I like yeah. how, I mean Crystal Palace is exactly the kind of game that you could see Tottenham getting frustrated just just that Palace will be exactly the type of team that will clog them up and yeah. not give them anything we saw earlier this season with against Burnley who have not been a good team but Burnley kept Spurs out for the majority of the game. And it was only a late header from Sun that, that won the game for them. And West Brom I was, too. I was literally just about to say, that. yes, West Brom, great example. Kane got the winner there. And you would expect a team of Tottenham's calibre to be rolling over these teams. But in fact, it's been the opposite. Like they've rolled over good teams like Southampton, Man United. They got three goals against West Ham, who've been a decent team this season. They got a 2 win over Man City, 2 win over Arsenal. But it's teams you would expect them to just hammer that they've only got narrow wins over. And Newcastle is another example. They should have been out of sight in that game. They only scored one goal, ended up conceding. It was wrong, but they ended up conceding a last-minute penalty. That's also got me wary. So that's why I'm, I'm considering going to Salah because it's kind of like it's such a no-brainer of a captaincy. It's got such a higher ceiling than the ones I have. So that's a real dilemma. And I think I'm going to come out on the wrong side of it. So there we go. <laughs> It'll be Smooth Jimmy's Lock of the Week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Lock of the Week. It's going to be a, an easy one this week, isn't it? 
It is, but I backed um, Raheem Sterling to find his form last weekend, and I'm going to go for a similar selection this time. And I'm going to tip Sadio Mane to end his recent run without a goal in the Ooh. same game. I'm obviously selecting Salah as captain, so I'm hopeful the big hole heads his way, but I've got a feeling that Mane will bounce back and score this weekend. Interesting call. Yeah, you you did nail it. To be fair, with with Sterling last week, and uh, he looked he looked pretty good. Not not so much. He didn't look great when he dived there for that goal. I know he got a little touch, but that was a when he dived for that penalty. I was uh, I was not happy about yeah. that. I can see why it's given, but oh, I hate that penalties are given for that kind of a thing. But at least it was De Bruyne taking it for you. Well, that was the thing. It takes the sting out of it, doesn't it? De Bruyne, yeah. And the other thing was that it was funny because obviously I was happy that the scoreline was kept relatively low. But then you see De Bruyne and you're kind of like, he should have had so many more returns. He should have absolutely yeah. smashed us. He, he actually had a good few chances there to get more out of the game. And he didn't. But it does at least take the sting out of it when uh, the player who's destroying your own team is your captain in FPL. For me, I'm actually looking, right? You're not going to believe this. I'm actually looking at Timo Werner for Chelsea against Everton. Because I just feel like Everton, the way they're conceding goals at the minute, they, they just don't seem to be very solid at the back. And Chelsea are just, I don't know, they're, they're, they're like I said, they're really motoring along nicely. So may, maybe Timo Werner is the wrong person. Who, who would you pick in terms of Chelsea? Who do you think is like De- Olivier Giroud? I'll tell you what, I'm going to say Olivier Giroud is my lock of the week. Yeah, he's, he's the man in form, isn't he? But I'm hopeful that you're right on the, uh, the Timo Werner since I've been yeah. uh, banging the drum for him. Yeah. He owes me but, some results from last week. Yeah, and it should be mentioned as well, by the way, uh, Timo Werner has four goals and four assists from 11 games. So he's, he's not been completely useless, but like he should have doubled that goals tally at least by now. But yeah, Olivier Giroud, i got to tell you, Harry, he's one of my favourite players. I love Olivier Giroud. He's and, so underrated, isn't he? Uh, I think, do you know what? I, th- I think he is rated because as a, a friend of mine on Twitter said, he plays for Chelsea. He has played for Arsenal. He's won a World Cup. He's won several trophies. He won Liga with Montpellier, funnily enough, and one yeah. of the biggest kind of shock league title wins in, in recent memory. He is quite rated, but I see where the underrated thing comes from. But I think rather he's been disrespected. And I think people haven't given him enough credit for yeah, how I, good he's I, I don't been. know. I feel like I, I can understand it a little bit now where he's in his career now. He's, he's, what, 34? But I feel like he's always, especially since he's been in the Premier League, anyway, he's always been like, never been an automatic starter, has he? I think in, in some of the Arsenal teams particularly that he played in, he's, he probably could have could have played every week. I know he was there when Van Persie was there and stuff, but underused, was, I would say, probably, maybe. When he was the kind of main striker, I think he just got... Like I said, he got a lot of disrespect and, and people were kind of like, well, this guy isn't going to lead us to a title. And, uh, you know, maybe that's fair enough. Maybe he wasn't prolific enough for that. But like, this was a guy who came from France for something like a 12 million fee initially. And yeah. when you think of like the return that they got for him, like that's an amazing fee to get for a player like that. And um, yeah. I, I, it's deeply, deeply ironic to me that now you're looking at Arsenal and you're thinking, God, they could do with a striker like Olivier Giroud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love Olivier. I, I hope he gets the respect he deserves this season. And it'll be interesting to see where he goes in January. Does he stay? Does he leave? Uh, because Fulham. Oh, please. Stay in southwest London. Please. Yeah, he, won't, he won't need to move house, will he? Perfect. <laughs> Maybe we could do a swap, him and, and Mitrovic. I mean, that would be ideal. No, I want to keep Mitrovic. But um, yeah, the, uh, I, would, I would take Olivier in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a, not a lock of the week I expected to be doing this week, but I'm going to go for it. just going to go for it and say Olivier Giroud is my lock of the week. Right. I think that's the end of this week's episode, Harry. 
So all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for joining me today. Pleasure as always. Thank you everyone for listening. If you want to join our mini league, you just use the code QCEY3L or just hit the auto join link in the episode description. Make sure to follow us on all of our social channels. Check out the 90s Football Hall of Fame podcast and good luck this weekend in FPL. <laughs>